If you hear this sound, that means this episode is also featured on our YouTube channel as a video. Head over to www.youtube.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to check it out. Warning, this episode contains foul language, discussions regarding homophobia, and body talk that will make you squirm. sometimes, but also mostly very gross, and everything in between. We are the luckiest girls alive because each week we get to sit down and chat about something weird. And we're even luckier because we have you to listen to us. Otherwise, it would just be like, well, a little less structured, but all in all what Lauren and I would talk about anyways on the couch. So... (laughs) This week we have quite the grab bag of icks and acts, a conspiracy theory out of the Great White North, a possible non-paranormal reason you see ghosts and ghouls, and both of us get the creeps real bad. Seriously, guys, it is not okay. (laughs) So go top off your coffee or your croix. Ignore those work emails, they're not important, and hop on board. Next stop, Hell, Michigan. My name is Ashley, and this is my co-host, Lauren. Hi, weirdos. Do you remember Hell, Michigan? Hell, Michigan. Hell, Mike again was the name of our episode, because Mike was on it so obviously. (laughs) Hell, Michigan. Love that for us. I I mean, I don't want to move to Michigan, but... It'd be cool to live in a town called Hell, or a city it would called be. Hell. Or like <laughs> Devil's Lair. I, is there a place? There should be. There's a, oh, you know what? I'm pro- I think I'm just thinking of uh, uh, Jennifer's body. I was going to say there's like a Devil's Hollow, and then I was like, no, <laughs> that's a film. Oh, Hell's Kitchen. It's a neighborhood in uh, New York. Yeah. You know what? We can always make our own city. I think you can do that. I think that's oh. how cities get made. I think that's how cities form. And honestly, if you and I made a city and forced our significant others and child to join us, which would like maybe take a little convincing, but probably not that much, I would really enjoy it. (laughs) I would really enjoy it. Especially if it was a commune. (laughs) Ah, always wanted to just live on a commune with you and other weirdos. Definitely Leah. Yeah. Definitely Amy, too. Like, she's got to come over. It's going to be a good time. Well, we need Leah because she's good at gardening. Mm-hmm. So we need someone who's like good with plants. I bring us the not veggies. That person, Me. I'm good at cleaning. You are, and I feel like I am too, and Alex is too, and he could design the signs for our <laughs> the, city. The street signs. He's really and like the welcome to you know That's the devil's true. back you know, he or could whatever. Be our, he, the devil's back. <laughs> the devil's butt. 
<laughs> the devil's butthole. Welcome. Devil's butt cheek. And Joe would use his charm to bring everyone into our town, convince them to oh, live there. Oh, he'll be the leader only, for sure. He would definitely be the leader, but only people who like, you know, we want in the town. Um, oh yeah, no, this is going to be a very. I don't. I don't know if it'll be legal actually. <laughs> what we're going to do, but it's, it's going to happen. You know, we didn't do decide Ooh. the order of what we're doing this episode. We sure we're didn't. not recording on our normal day, guys. So it's a Thursday. We don't know what is, to do with our bodies. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't, my body's not ready. Mm-mm. My body isn't not ready for slightest. this. My body, my mind is gone. My mind's nope. somewhere else. Um, but I am drinking a Diet Coke, things. so that should help. I love that. Cheers. Keep I got my weird. little, I got my little Brought coffee. Diet Cheers. Coke. And Cheers. caffeine in general. Mmm. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. But we do have four whole segments for you today, so we'll just get right into it. Why Let's not? I'm going to go first. Beep, beep. Let's see if Miss Frizzle can teach us a thing or two about a thing or two. Seatbelts, everyone. Please let this be a normal field trip. It is a human body <laughs> exploration. Whoop, whoop. The magic Let's school hop on bus. The bus. Let's do it. I hope this is a normal field trip. <laughs> or whatever that kid said. I hope we don't shrink and go into somebody's <laughs> lung today. Well. This is a little bit different. Usually it's like really like human body biology kind of stuff. But this is a, it's something called musical ear syndrome. Okay, I've been trying to learn about fun. this. It's not not fun. But it sounds like it would be like a show. Be like, welcome yeah. to the musical air syndrome. Starring Let's see who has perfect pitch. Let's Ashley go. and Lauren. Yeah. And um, but lose. it's not that. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I recently saw it used as an explanation for hauntings and paranormal activity. So I what? immediately had to look into it and see what the fuck was up with musical ear syndrome. Of course. So, first off. There are two types of musical ear syndrome. Nope. I thought a burp was coming. There are two. T- <sighs> Did you like, see what? I even prepped my mouth? I was like, like, <laughs> no. like what's happening to her? <laughs> the first of which supposedly only happens to people who are hard of hearing or have something like tinnitus or something like that. Sure. But the second one can happen to anybody. So the first is called apophenia, and it's where you hear a sound that simply isn't there. It's not a psychological hallucination. A lot of people who, you know, hear it, fear that they're like, quote unquote, going crazy when it Mm. happens to them. But what is essentially happening, our brains are obsessed with patterns, so much so that if there is nothing there, it will create something. And this is exactly why when we look at someone in the dark for too long, their face will start yep. to melt or morph, which we've talked about yourself the in the mirror. Yeah. Exactly. This is why Bloody Mary works. Um, so when people start to lose their hearing and they are used to hearing certain ta- sounds at certain times for example like when i was writing up my notes i could hear i could hear all the typing mm-hmm. but if i was sitting and typing and i couldn't hear the typing happening and my brain knows there should be typing happening and was like what's going on here a sound might be heard in my head usually um, it's music it. or muffled okay. voices Muffled so voices. Creepy. That is <laughs> yeah. terrifying, Ashley. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. You've just been hearing voices to fill empty sound. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Musical ear syndrome. Somebody. Uh, Oh my gosh, I hate that. And I have some like actual stories from people too. It's kind of crazy. So the second kind of musical ear syndrome is something that can happen to anybody, but again is way more common in people who have hearing issues. It's called audio periodolia. And you might remember that word from a past episode of the show. Pareidolia is when you'll see like faces in a piece of toast or shapes in the clouds. Yeah. Again, our brain obsessed with patterns, always looking for patterns. So that's why we can sort of like make up the shape in a cloud as a bunny and see it and like see it so clearly and then look at the person we're with and be like, doesn't that cloud look like a bunny? And they're like, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's just like, a blob. It's, it's exactly a bunny. And they're like, it's not. It's about to start why. hopping. It's fine. Yeah. So because the brain is so pattern obsessed, sometimes it will make connections when it doesn't mean to. But in this case, it's not necessarily the lack of sound that should be there, like when with the first one. Right. Um, it's more like another sound triggers the sound in your head. A lot of the time, it's the buzzing of a fan or an AC unit. So your brain is actively processing the sensory input, but will often make assumptions and, like, force-fit recognized patterns. Sure. So. Interesting. I'm going to give you a handful of examples, including the first place I heard it. It was on Reddit, naturally. And here was the exchange. So Reddit user Chongo Sean said, I was watching a video series and some scientists were trying to prove that vibrations at certain frequencies can cause hallucinations. For instance, the subtle vibration of an AC vent in a house can produce an auditory or visual hallucination. And then Reddit user Windy Orbits responded with, oh my God, yes, I just found this out not too long ago. There's a standing fan that I always turn on in a tiny room at the place I'm currently living when it gets way too hot or cold outside, and I sit in this room to smoke. About eight months ago, I suddenly started hearing voicemails that sound identical to the ones on the house's home phone. I currently live with my grandpa. It sounds like he's checking the messages, and I can hear super clearly, you've got two unheard messages. Message one from, date and time, I can never clearly hear this part, and then it plays a message, usually that's from my mother, that starts with, hey guys, it's me, and then sort of becomes mumbling I can't understand. Whoa. I used to get up and go to the living room where the answering machine is, but as soon as I left the tiny room, I couldn't hear it anymore. Now I just have to turn off the fan to get rid of the sounds, though sometimes I still get up every once in a while because it sounds so clear that I'm convinced someone's in the house. Oh, no. (laughs) So. Wow. Okay. So anytime somebody thinks they're hearing a conversation. Yeah. The standing fan. Triggering. She heard this voicemail playing from the other room every time. And she realized eventually that if she just turned off the fan, she wouldn't hear it anymore. Right. Huh? Who and why? Why? Where? What? So, um. Another few examples, they're a lot shorter. They come from a website, hearinglosshelp.com. This was from an article in 2015 written by Dr. Neil Bauman on this phenomenon. And so here's one. A man named James said, 
I recently moved into an apartment with my wife. Our bedroom has an air conditioner, which is extremely loud at night, but because of where we live, we can't live without it. Now I'm hearing the greatest hits of the 70s, 80s, and 90s coming from the air conditioner. Good when for it's you, off, man. There's no music. <laughs> I woke my wife up at night after asking if she heard this music, but she can't hear it at all. So it's not like when the AC is on, he can hear the music playing in someone else's apartment. Right. The music is not there. It doesn't exist. He is making that music. The wife is like, uh, what? No. But what no, is happening? Musical ear syndrome. <sighs> wow. Stephanie says, I sleep with a fan on. I need the white noise to mask my tinnitus so I can sleep at night. A few months ago, I started hearing what sounds like a woman humming a melody. If I turn off the fan, it stops. Just a woman? Is yeah. she old? Is she a witch? I what kind of man? I'm stirring the cauldron. <laughs> like, if it's that, I don't want it. But if it's like a lovely voice, maybe I'd take it as my lullaby. But well, this what? one sounds kind of like lovely music finally my last example john wrote i have normal hearing apart from thinking i can hear people talking i hear music if there's white noise or a rhythmic sound um he goes to, goes on talking about a wool shed he worked in as a child it doesn't really matter here we go i actually quite enjoy lying in bed listening to the hum of one particular fan which emits a soothing sound which is i think is pretty close to a c major chord if I listen, I can hear what sounds like chorus music, usually female voices gently moving about the scale. It's very beautiful, and I can even sort of direct it to make my own compositions. I am musical and play an instrument, but I think it's amazing how strong and pleasing this music from the white noise is for me. It sounds so real. Hachi machi. I don't Hachi machi. Wow. Okay, but to like... To enjoy the music is a lovely thing, That's as nice. I was saying. Yeah, where I'm like, is the woman a, a good vocalist? Because that would be yeah, nice. But I, or... I think I would lose my mind, and I'm already starting to think about individual examples because we sleep with a fan on every night like a box fan that's pretty loud and we have a sound machine we have doubled down because <laughs> we got so used to sound machines when wilder slept in our room back in the day and then we were like we can't sleep in silence anymore so we always have sound going and i'm not completely relating to any of these people's stories by any means but there have been nights where i'll roll over to alex very quickly and have a little bit of, you know, urgency in my voice. I'm like, what, what's he doing? Is he crying? And Alex will pick up the monitor and be like, he's just laying there. And that's only happened a few times, but I feel like I hear phantom cries. But if I was sleeping in silence, I wonder if I would hear those cries. Now I kind of want to experiment. You should. So this is sort of being used as a theory to disprove paranormal activity by saying, like, you're not actually hearing music or you're not actually hearing the sound of a party in your house. It's this, like, you know, vibration caused by the AC unit. But I would like to present an alternative theory. Please. I actually do not believe that this disproves paranormal activity at all. I know most okay. people, you know, would disagree. But the thing is, who says that the sounds that you're hearing are not real? 
and that the vibrations are what allow you to hear the sounds sure. from another dimension, another timeline, whatever it may be, another plane of existence, like whatever. Because our whole existence is vibrations and waves and energy. Like, that's what everything right. is made out of, including us. And no offense to science, but we don't know everything. <laughs> and no. how do we know that hallucinations themselves aren't real in some way? Like, we cannot prove that they aren't. Mm -hmm. It could be that 200 years from now, humans look back and go, oh my God, can you believe people thought they were schizophrenic and not seeing into another dimension? Right. That they were actually seeing somebody in this, you know, other universe, yeah. other dimension. Yep. Because we may know so much more. True. Or even like, can you believe people used to think they were dreaming and not experiencing other timelines? Like Oof, there is yeah. a world in which in the future we look back and we go like, wow, we were really dumb in totally. 2023. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you. No part of this made me think that this disproves paranormal mm. activity. I didn't think that once. I think this is interesting and it totally could be something that our brain is replacing, like based on what we're hearing. But also, I feel like all that we have talked about with paranormal activity and possibly encountering ghosts, another dimension, whatever it may be, it always comes through like waves. It's yeah. electricity. It's... It's vibrations, it's whatever. That has always connected. So you're absolutely right that, like, why can't a fan or a sound machine or some vibrating contraption in our room put that out? Like, maybe we are hearing yeah. somebody's voice. Something and that's causing waves of some kind, whether it's sound waves or radio waves or... Getting a glimmer, a preview. We're just... I like uh, it. It, like, opens up a pocket where we can hear or see into another dimension right and mm. i like that mm. but also that's crazy and but it's like also every... crazy i cannot believe it exists <laughs> like every story you read is just really hitting home because we have a like to my left tucked away is our box fan and our sound machine that i'm just like we're for sure gonna hear something and i already yeah. hear phantom children screaming so I might be hearing a dimension where kids are upset mm -hmm. or being tortured. Sad. <laughs> I was yeah, let's say not talk about that. Then I was like, you know what? I won't go there. But you yep, did. We both so went I to the darkness. To. We sure did. And I hate that. I hate the thought. Hate that for us. Uh, oh lord. Okay, well, that's really fun. Um, I am going to go into a segment that I think we we both have today. It's the same category, but very different stories, so I feel totally okay different. about it. But Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get them peepers? Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get them eyes? And notice I didn't change the lyrics as Ashley usually does, because guess what? Ooh, We're talking about eyeballs. <laughs> where'd you get them eyes? Where'd you get those peepers? We are talking about peepers today, Good. and they give me the heebie-jeebies, not eyeballs you know, in like, general. Well, they here's help the us, thing. But... Like, eyeballs are great, but when there's a horror movie or something, and uh -huh. something's about to happen to an eyeball, even as a person who 
you know, I wear contacts. I've worn contacts every day since like seventh grade. Like I'm pretty good at touching my eye. If something happens to someone's eye in a horror movie, I'm to look away. Like, no. Yeah, I look no. away. I'm hiding behind a blanket. I'm the same way. I know I'm pretty much always wearing glasses on the show, but I do wear contacts. And like, I have no issue, even contacts aside, if I'm doing my makeup and something, you know, kind of slips into the eye line, I am one of those people. It's like scoop. Like I have no issue yeah. touching my eyeball, but I am the same way in movies. If something mm-hmm. is coming near an eye, I'm like, Whoa. so I do get the heebie-jeebies about eyes in general, totally. but this, what I learned and it's it's sciency and it's it's what happens, but I don't enjoy it. Okay. I don't I don't like it one bit. So there is something called ocular immune privilege, which could end up really screwing us over if just like the slightest crazy thing happens to our eyeballs. So let me jump in. Okay. <laughs> the immune system of the body, it's our it's our hero. It it saves us, it shields us from countless Foreign particles, anything that tries to invade our body, the germs that we encounter. Our immune system is working tirelessly. It is our strength. It keeps us free of disease. We know this. But our brain and our eyes keep the immune system at a distance. So how do these incredibly critical organs remain safe from pathogens? How am I able to see you right now? How is my brain functioning? Because our eyes especially are exposed to many foreign particles every day. Yeah. But unlike other parts of our body, the eyes, you know, we are always exposed to things, the environment, the air filled with dust and bacteria and water, like Wilder has been taking swimming lessons and every day he comes home with red eyes because he's just like swimming with pathogens. But we (laughs) rub our eyes with our bacteria coated fingers, all kinds of things get in. So the body's natural response to anything foreign is usually inflammation and increasing the temperature and you know that's why we get, get fevers and we're fighting things up yeah fight it yeah. but this strategy is actually super bad for the human eye the eye is an extension of the brain and both organs are primarily composed of neurons i'm going to get sciency for a minute and then i'll dumb it down at the end but both organs are primarily composed of neurons which have a very limited capability to regenerate Inflammation of eye tissues could almost immediately hinder your vision and increased temperature would cause major tissue damage and the eyes cannot regenerate like other organs. So the immune reactions of our body would affect a person's long-term ability to see you could possibly be blind or just very blocked, whatever. So many horrible things could happen. So to protect your vision, the human eye has something called immune privilege in the body. It is the privilege or license that the body's immune system gives to certain organs that limits the response of the immune system in those areas, knowing that they could be destroyed. So they'll have their own thing going on. We do have a blood eye barrier that is like a guard for our eyes, so we're not left with nothing. And the retina and its blood capillaries form this barrier, which physically restricts immune cells in the blood from entering the eye. But we do have protective factors. We also can't drain into the lymph nodes. So that is why white blood cells are never notified if something is happening. So um, the immune cells can't get to us, but we do have some barriers that are supposed to keep it safe. And we have molecules that limit other things. But even with our shields against bacterium, which like helps us every day, and like thank God because pink eye could just like turn into a horrible disease like we do have things in place but (laughs) we have our lysosomes in there and our tear glands that are washing it out and everything but like 
what would happen if something yeah. got into the eye? Because there is a downside to immune privilege. This can be taken away if a very strong immune response is encountered. If there is a you know very serious disease, any kind of illness that enters the body that needs like the whole body working together and the immune system is just stepping it up. If it deals with the foreign antigens healing the rest of our body, there is a chance it would get into our eyes. And even though it would be able to restore normalcy in the rest of our body, the eyes could be found and detected because basically our immune system doesn't even know they exist. But the second they are found, we're destroyed. Our eyeballs, our vision, they'll be taken away by our immune system, which is meant to save us and help us in that same thing. Could take away our eyes. This seems pretty dangerous, God. <laughs> well, and also seems like, like you're playing with fire, God. <laughs> you're really playing with fire, and why is why has no one told me this? Like now, anything yeah, that happens to my eye, this, though, it is rare. But okay, it's not God. It, it's rare. It is. But also, I'm like, why has nobody been telling me to take my eye more seriously? So that is like my first note. Do not take eye infections lightly in the slightest. But to get a little more Lauren after saying all of the sciencey terms like lysosomes, I don't really know what that is. I know our eyeballs have them and they protect us, <laughs> yeah. but let's move on. To get a little more Lauren, I must reiterate, trauma to the eye can cause our immune system to discover that our eyeballs exist and white blood cells will march on in and start to attack, thinking it is a foreign body within our body. Which happens sometimes, right, with, with uh, pregnancies. Thank you. Okay, that is another point. I mean, I was going to bring this up at the end, but there oh, okay. are a few. But that's no, the that's only time true. I've ever heard of this same thing happening, where like there... your immune system can be like, "What is that?" and then they can like I attack don't want it. it. Yes. Yeah, so immune here. immune privilege, like this term, it exists with our eyes. It exists in some parts of our brain, but not the whole brain, which that's okay. like a whole other topic. It boy, exists oh with a fetus. If that gets discovered, and it exists with testicles, which I thought was an interesting well. thing. Testicles will not be touched unless there's trauma done to them or you have, you know, an autoimmune disease, whatever. Like, obviously, huh. there are unique situations, but <laughs> testicles, eyeballs, a and fetus, babies. immune <laughs> privilege. But yes, rarely things can happen. It and luckily, sound it is like very a privilege. Rare. It sure doesn't. I hate that word so much. Sounds like a punishment. So if your body does discover these immune privileged areas, they will march on in an attack. And with the eyes, this can cause you to go blind, if not treated pretty much immediately. You can't oh, let anything Lord. happen. <laughs> I know. And sometimes even if you seek treatment immediately, it could be too late. Too like late. something could have already happened like behind your eye that you didn't even know about. Um, and if one eye is compromised, this is the even worse part. There's a good chance the other eye will be affected as well, like a very high chance. As rare as it is that your eyes will be affected, as I said, luckily it is rare. If one eye is affected, then the chances go way up that your other eye will be affected as well. So it is actually a decision by doctors to surgically remove an eyeball in certain situations very early on in the treatment plan, mm. even though that would sound like a last resort to yeah. us, like removing the eyeball that has to be the last possible option but they some doctors it depends on obviously what's going on will say we need to remove it now so they at least can retain vision in this one eye 
and we'll just give them a good old eye patch and send them on their way so that we can save the one eye. But, like, take the eyeball out because the other is a-going. And it could be immediately something happens to the other eye. It could be months. It could be years. So that also sucks. If you do just get, you know, treatment to one eye and you're just kind of like, I'm fine, and they sent you on your way, your other eye could just crap out at any point, which... Just makes me want to crawl under my bed. Yeah. But fun tidbit. We only have two of them. I'll go. Two. (laughs) Two. They don't repair themselves apparently. Also saying fun tidbit is rude in this horrible story. But something good came out of this. So it is believed that this is how Frenchman and educator Louis Brard, or as Americans call him and know him, because that accent was terrible, Louis Braille. Okay. Oh, Braille. <laughs> Braille. Yeah, okay. He he lost his vision as a child. He badly injured one of his eyes when he was playing in his dad's tool shed. Um, he, I don't exactly know what happened. I don't want to get too graphic, but somehow something went into his eye when he was like helping uh, his dad build something. It was supposed to be cute, but it was terrible. Traumatized one of his eyeballs, and a few months later, his other eye went as well. So he was completely blind. Oh in both eyes, but he grew up to be an amazing educator. He is, you know, he was an educator for many years and created the Braille system, which is what the visually impaired use today to read and write, which is so amazing. It has helped people in so many ways. So that story is crazy and shows what can happen if trauma, you know, goes into your eyeball. Does happen to your eye. But, hey, the Braille system exists now, so the silver lining, but sorry to Lewis. Louis. I'm sorry to you. Sorry, Louis. Sorry, Louis. And as I wrap up this eyeball horror show, I want to say that I went down a rabbit hole on Reddit, as you do, and several people were going back and forth, you know, sharing information on this, which was really useful and, you know, what I brought to this episode. So it was so interesting to learn about. And the general consensus is how rare this is to have the immune system attack your eyeballs unless you have a pre-existing condition. Obviously autoimmune diseases can aid to so many things going wrong in your body, unfortunately. But if you're, you know, healthy, living a normal life, it should be super rare. But then there is this user on Reddit, username Esax, um, in one of the forums said, this actually happened to me. I woke up one morning and it looked like it was in, It looked like I was in a smoke-filled room. I could barely see anything. I went to the bathroom, and my eyes looked completely raw. And then I went to the optometrist, and they said I had a very bad case of bilateral uvitis. The white I saw within my eyes were white blood cells trying to destroy my eyes. Oh, my God. I was put on steroid eye drops and went through a gamut of testing, and there were no findings of any pre-existing conditions or rare, severe cases in my system it was a total freak accident my immune system just randomly decided it wanted to discover my eyes and then destroy them with all of their might i am miraculously fine now aside from light sensitivity and some floaters that exist but i can still see oh god happy ending but just woke up to that to cloudy eyeballs so eyes were attacked just for no reason which can happen and that's why it (sighs) gives me the heebie-jeebies jeepers creepers (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the new name of the segment, the CBGBs. But yeah, I hate it. I hate it. No thank you. No. Pass. Mm. Hard pass. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting uh, or I'm like driving to work and I can't like one of my eyes is blurry and I'm like, well, that's it. Brain tumor right there. Pushing on my eyeball. It was a good run. 35 years. Not too bad. And then I realized I just have a smush on my smush on my contact. Yep. But every single time, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it doesn't even yep. matter uh, how many times that this happens, which is often. It's probably like mm-hmm. two times a month. And every time I'm like, well, goodbye. Cruel Goodbye, words. eyeball. Loved having vision, but. <laughs> really loved having vision. There it goes. But it's gone. I know. I, it's always just some schmutz. Just knowing, even as rare as it is, that it could just happen. Yeah, that your body could just condition. decide. <laughs> Like, oh, I found you. I didn't Don't know think you about were it here. too much. Don't Destroy. think about your eyes too much. Because then your immune system might be like, what? Eyes? I, Where are they? What if the brain sends the signal? It's yeah. like, what? Because you your eyeballs too much. <laughs> and that's how she died. Pretend they Lauren, don't exist. Lauren thought about them day in, day out. Day in, day out. I actually just her. went to the eye doctor uh, this past weekend, and, and you know, he's asking me, like, how good I am about throwing out my contacts at the end of every month and like Ooh, I was like for sure every five weeks are, are you lying Absolutely. as I do <laughs> yeah I'm lying I'm sorry I don't I can't afford it I cannot I afford can't. it contacts are fucking expensive <sighs> they're so expensive but yeah and then I I kind of like talked to him about um of course I lied to him and I was like every five weeks and I clean them all the time and I never just let nasty like floaty shit end up in my contact case and not take care of it ever that never happens I would never do that it's a lie but I was way worse as a teenager I would sleep in my contacts every night I would like I could I could stab my contact with mascara and be like ah and then just like deal with this black smudge on my eye I <laughs> never took my contacts out. And now if I like fall asleep and accidentally take a nap with my contacts like, in, I'm Ugh! like, how did I do this for so long? It's like plastered like to your eye. You're like, yeah. why would I have ever done that? But I was the same in college. I was a nightmare. Mm. And literally when you were talking about those floaters, that's why I was cracking up so much because I feel like in college I would open my contact case and it would just be like, mascara chunks and sometimes even like an <laughs> eyelash in there and yeah, i was like yep off to class let's Anyways, go boink boink bacteria in my eyeball but i for sure still as an adult wear them way too long i'm mm-hmm. sure i don't clean them the way they're supposed to so to be honest me complaining about this fear of going blind isn't fair because i will be the cause of it you know? <laughs> yeah, because it is <laughs> all my be fault me. <laughs> not doing and anything I will, good i will have no one to blame but myself mm-hmm. uh well listen jeepers creepers where'd you get those teefers jeepers creepers this makes me want to die i have oh. a jeepers creepers too and weirdly Wait. enough i feel like Every other Jeepers Creepers has been like tarantulas, other spooky stuff, body stuff. Again, on this week's edition of Jeepers Creepers, <laughs> God, I hate this, a phenomenon that would have been right at home in our teeth series from 2021. Uh-huh. This but is called Exploding Teeth. No. 
No, I don't want it. Here's the really, really good news. I'm pretty sure this is over, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't have to worry about it. It's done. Um, okay. From the olden days. From the olden days. But just in case, I am having all my teeth removed and getting dentures. So that's going to happen very soon. Because I With can't you. imagine this taking place. So, in the 19th century, a dentist named W.H. Atkinson from Pennsylvania wrote to a publication. It was actually the first major journal for American dentists, and it was called Writing in the Dental Cosmos, which is far out, man. Yeah, totally far out. Writing in the Dental Cosmos. Dental Cosmos. Anyway, he wrote in uh, about a phenomenon he was noticing of people's teeth exploding in their mouth. Why, though? He saw it in three of his patients. The first being a reverend, the Reverend D.A. from Springfield in 1817. Atkinson wrote, and it's 1817, so the way they write is, like, super adorable and old-timey, but he wrote in, quote, The right superior canine or first bicuspid commenced aching, increasing in intensity to such a degree as to set him wild. During his agonies, he ran about here and there. (laughs) (gasps) This is the cutest. It's so cute. In the vain endeavor to obtain some respite. At one time, boring his head on the ground like an enraged animal. At another, poking it under the corner of the fence. What? And again, going to the spring and plunging his head to the bottom of the cold water. Can you imagine having a toothache in the 1800s? That, yeah, that it, you have no other option but to just run about town run and about, go into the cold spring. Stick your head spring. under a fence. Under a fence, which what did you? I don't you even know what that means. Is that a that euphemism? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. What could that term possibly what be? That possibly you can't mean? just have stuck it under a fence and thought you'd get relief. Yeah. Thought you'd get oh, some goodness. relief. Thank God I was born in the 20th century. I cannot imagine not having modern dentistry, even though I don't trust Truly. dentists yeah. at all. Anyway. Atkinson continues in the Weird Space Dentist Journal by saying, Nothing provided relief until 9 o'clock the next morning as he was walking the floor in wild delirium, all at once a sharp crack, like a pistol shot, bursting his tooth into fragments, but it gave him instant relief. At this moment, he turned to his wife and said, My pain's gone. And he went to bed and he slept soundly all that day and the entire night. (laughs) After which, he was rational and well and had zero other problems. Because his tooth just burst. The burst that once the tooth burst and was not there anymore, he was like, Oh, better. Okay. Thirteen years later, something similar happened to another patient of his, known as known as Mrs. Letitia D., who lived a few miles away from his practice. She basically um, had a prolonged toothache that ended up <laughs> ended by bursting with report, giving immediate relief. Okay. Well- Okay. And another woman in 1855, a Mrs. Anna, Anna P.A., reported that one of her canines split from front to back. She said a sudden wow. sharp report and instant relief, just as in the other cases, occurred in the left superior canine. She is living and healthy, the mother of a family of fine girls. <laughs> Aww. Fine girls. Good for her. She's living her life. 
okay, well, exploding teeth sounds terrifying, but mm-hmm. also you're telling me how much relief comes yeah. after it. So do like, I, I wouldn't want, want it to happen, to but at the same time, like it sounds like once they explode, you're kind of fine. Then you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. But the editors at British Dental Journal, which is not as cool as of a name um, as the <laughs> dentistry the through the cosmos or whatever, yes, for sure. they actually highlighted some archives recently that were originally printed in 1965 detailing many other tales of exploding chompers throughout history. They included a case uh, from 1871 by another American dentist, J. Phelps Hibbler, who treated a young woman whose toothache ended with a bang when one of her molars burst so powerfully it knocked her over. Oh my god. Like it threw it's like her a back. Mouth explosion and knocked back. her over. And Damn. the explosion in her mouth was so loud that she was hard of hearing for several days afterwards. No. So this isn't just way. like a tooth breaking. Like okay, this is yeah. a tooth this is like a exploding. Full on <sighs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Now I don't want it as much. No. There were around five or six reported cases in the 19th century, but as far as they can tell, there has been no documented case of exploding teeth since the 1920s. But how and why? Well, apparently God was like, too much, too much. Bring it back. I need to scale it back. Pull, pull yeah, back I've done the too suffering. Much. <laughs> they go through so yeah, much down God. there. We got to keep their Truly. teeth intact. They so, can't burst in their mouth. It's pretty common for diseased teeth to crack or split. Like if you've got a Mondo cavity cooking in your mouth and it doesn't get taken care of, it weakens the whole structure of the tooth and splitting can absolutely happen. But they don't go bang. Like they don't like burst. I don't hear a gunshot and I don't get thrown back into the wall. Yeah. So why? Why? Why you do this to me? Why? Yeah. Why does this happen? It's a very good exorcist reference. In the 1800s, there were two explanations brought forth, and we've debunked both of them since. But I thought I would share them with you because I think it's kind of fascinating to see how dental knowledge grew from, like, not that long ago. Right. Here for it. So the first theory was that a substance known as free caloric was building up in the tooth and caused a dramatic increase of pressure in the pulp of the tooth. So what I learned was for many years, heat, like actual heat, was believed to literally contain a fluid called caloric. Um, It doesn't. We proved that. So this was debunked. Okay. So easy peasy. That one's out. Oh, also brief aside, because I learned this recently, because I mentioned caloric and calories. I read this crazy article earlier about why counting calories doesn't actually work for a lot of people because Mm -hmm. how many calories we extract from food actually depends on so many different variables like what Mm -hmm. species we're eating, how we prepare the food, which bacteria are in our gut, and how much energy we specifically use to digest certain foods. So I just thought I would mention that in case you – or someone you know feels some type of way about yourself because you can't lose weight no matter how many calories you count, stop counting them because it's that is almost a pseudoscience. Yeah. It helps Clearly some people. that doesn't work. I was going to say, I like it has worked for me before. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried it in years, and I'm sure my younger metabolism works totally different than my one now, especially post-Wilder. So, yeah, if it works for you, that's wonderful, but 
don't count on it and find something else that does. Yeah, I I just know a lot of people that did Weight Watchers for a long time and were just like, I don't get it. Like everyone around me does this and they the weight just falls off and I do it and nothing works. It's because calories are not the exact same for every person. No, everyone's body is different. Anyway, back to the worst thing. The other theory (laughs) put forth in the 1800s was that decay within the tooth might have caused a buildup of gas, which eventually made the tooth fracture. But according to Hugh Devlin, professor of restorative dentistry at the University of Manchester, um, he said, it's highly unlikely that gas could build up in a tooth sufficient enough to cause it to explode like that because teeth are extremely strong and this theory also shows a misunderstanding of cavities um, from 19th century dentists because at the time, back then, they actually thought cavities came from within the tooth. Like something was happening in your body and inside the tooth was where the cavity came from. But now we know cavities are caused by like diet and bacteria buildup on the surface of teeth. Right. So, yeah. again. Right okay. Debunked. Debunked. Bye. Get out of here. What it seems like to most professional dentists today, and it's hard to say because we don't have a lot of information about these cases aside from what these dentists wrote into these journals, but they think the answer lies within the chemicals used to make early fillings. Because before we invented mercury amalgam in the 1830s, there were several different metals used to fill dental cavities, including lead. Whoops. Oopsie. Whoopsie, Daisy. (laughs) Big whoops. Oops. Didn't know. Lead, tin, silver, etc. So Andrea Sella, professor of inorganic chemistry at University College London, pointed out that if two different metals had been used to fill someone's cavity, it could actually create an electrochemical cell. So basically, the whole mouth would have been turned into a low-voltage battery. So if the cavity was, like, say, badly filled with a mixture of chemicals and alloys and part of a cavity still remained, it could mean the possibility of a hydrogen buildup inside the tooth. And that hydrogen could explode if it was ignited. Like, for example, if the patient was smoking at the time (laughs) Mm -hmm, or if mm -hmm. an iron filling caused a spark in the mouth, boom, like Uh a literal explosion. uh You don't mess with hydrogen. Oh, my God. But it's probably more so the first option because the second option, um, like cause the iron filling causing a spark in the mouth would probably have ended up with like a flame coming from their mouth, which I think they would have mentioned. Um, Just breathing fire like a dragon. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be somewhere in a medical I think they would have brought that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, unfortunately for us, there's no evidence that any of the patients whose teeth burst in their heads actually had previous fillings. So technically, this is still an unsolved mystery. We don't know why these people's teeth exploded in their mouths. Wow. And how so many others didn't if these types of fillings were used for a long time. That does seem like the likely thing, but... I feel like we would have heard, heard more of this. It seems yeah. like it's so rare and crazy and it doesn't and it, happen it anymore. It really but... could have been a 60-year period where certain metal was used primarily for fillings that we didn't right. realize could potentially, in certain cases, cause a problem. 
in this freak accident. Very relieved that because when I first saw the article and it was like exploding teeth, I was like, do I even want to know? Do I even want to read this? Because I I will never sleep again. I will get an ulcer, all of the things. Okay. So this sounds like it cannot happen to us and hasn't happened for many years because, you know, modern dentistry and with the eyeballs, it is incredibly rare. And most likely, unless you have an, you know, autoimmune disease, you're good to go. So I hope our Jeepers Creepers isn't too creepy and jeepy. Yeah. And we're going to be fine, everybody. Oh, but I'm This should have been a different segment called, It Sounds Bad. But we're okay. But we're okay, I swear. <laughs> we're going to make it. We're going to make it <laughs> Okay, everybody. <laughs> It is time. Oops. It is time. Listen! <laughs> it is time for... <laughs> it's just... It's a headband. No, it's one of those... What What the hell are the, the Jewish hats called? Oh, yarmulke. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's just a yarmulke. Okay. I'm sorry, everyone. Well, that's fine. What time is it? Conspiracy theory time. Get your tin foil hats on, or your headband, or your yarmulke. Oh, my! The first one I ever made for this segment was the best. And you, you know really, what? We just do here's the best the thing. We can. You probably should actually construct one, and maybe not just grab some tin foil. But here's the thing: How do we know how tin foil hats work? Who says they have to cover the whole head? They might just have yeah, to color. Does like it have the... to be full and with a point? Yeah. Because that's how I made my first one, the one that was that's like the good traditional and I put time design. Into it, but... but really, but it, it could, could be a helmet. Be... It could... Yeah, it could just be a little. Oh, wow. See, that could work just fine. See, this is kind of. Maybe you cute. just have to shield a certain part of your brain from the lizard people. I don't even know. <laughs> this is like a princess crown almost. I'm really enjoying it. Okay. Tinfoil crowns. It's fine. Hi, conspiracy theories. (laughs) Ashley, I am going to read what the conspiracy theory is. Okay. And then you are going to answer if you think this is, just as stated, a conspiracy theory, or if you think there is any chance that it's true or part of it is true, whatever you want to say. And maybe you know the story already, and you'll be like, easy, but this is for the listeners, too. Everybody can play. For sure. So, the theory. Canada tried to create gaydar during the Cold War in order to fire any homosexual men in the military. It was believed these men were a security threat and could not be a part of any important missions, especially when Russian spies were possibly coming after them. This rumor has existed for years, but it was peak scandalous juicy gossip in the 40s and 50s for Canadians at the start of the war. The hot goss between the ladies who lunch was all about this scientific device that could detect if a person was gay or not. Absolutely true. Uh, the Cold War was insane. People did the weirdest shit. The weirdest shit. The weirdest shit. That was when we were in the United States. The CIA were studying, like, remote viewing with Yuri Geller and, like, trying to, like, mm-hmm. see into, you know, foreign powers, like, I thought structures of <laughs> from, you know, Quantico. Like, listen, like, absolutely it's true. 
A thousand percent. And I almost didn't <laughs> include the part about the Cold War because I was like, ooh, that's almost like a dead giveaway. Because it is. It Everyone really is. lost we their really damn lost minds. It. I should have just been like, do you think Canada like ever tried to make Gator? But she is correct. Yeah. This is one of those times where I do my conspiracy theory segment, but sadly, the theory ended up being true, even though for years it was just known as like a silly rumor, something that tinfoil hat people would talk about and everyone would be like, you're crazy. You're crazy, man. Unfortunately, no. Great. Though it took a long time before anyone really found any, you know, concrete, solid evidence, and you definitely will not see it mentioned in Canadian history books, which is a little unfortunate. In the last 15 or 16 years, Canadian people have been able to finally collect just enough evidence, you know, interview people, get enough stories that now the word can be spread. And it has been that this conspiracy theory is true. It's pretty awful. (laughs) And Canada did indeed try to invent gaydar. Which Gaydar, for anyone who has been living under a rock or has never listened to our show or is not, like, a person, Gaydar <laughs> has always been, like, a silly term where we say, you know, like, oh, my intuition is on my point. Gaydar is going off. I know this Somebody is gay. gay in the room. Yeah. Like, they barely yeah. said a word to me, but my Gaydar went off. He's gay. Or she's gay. Whoever. So... And there was that episode of The Office where they tried to <sighs> convince Dwight that there was a gaydar machine and it would yes. go off every time they pointed it at him. Uh-huh. And he was like, am I gay? <laughs> and he was starting to question like, am I? <laughs> yes. That is so good. That is true. So Canada try did try to invent this. Unfortunately, very cool. Canada. True. We love it. Hate it. Awful. So it was simply named at the time Secret project. Oh wow! Which like creative yeah, that doesn't raise any red flags? <laughs> but, you know, give it a creative name. At least here it we were like, like Project Stargate, Project Mockingbird. Right? Yeah, they were like, like secret, our secret project, our secret little project. Oh, you little Canadians! No, not good. Um, a secret project was formed by the Canadian government and military back in the day. Um, several years in the forties, research was underway by a man named. Hank Robert Wake, a psychology professor with Carleton University, who, you know, he did know a lot about the brain and people's behaviors and all of that. So they were like, hey, if anything, this guy is going to know how gay people would react to things, which like, no, terrible. But this man was put to the test and he took all of his knowledge and studies of stress test devices that already existed and brought it to the special project in order to hopefully bring about findings they needed to help weed out the gay military and public service members and get them off the payroll immediately. Can't have that. God forbid they're even in our building. Mm -mm. (laughs) So he came up with his own device using what he had learned um, that was eventually nicknamed the fruit machine. Wow. Since most members of the gay community were rudely referred to as fruits at the time. I think we've all heard that term. People also, it was operated by juicing lemons. It was all powered by you the juice of lemons. lemons in the top. And it <laughs> lemons and limes and just squeeze. Yep. And that's how it worked. How it yep. worked. A little sour. Mm-hmm. Um, with this horrible device, the subjects were made to view pornography and the device would then measure the diameters of the pupils of the eyes, like a 
pupillary response test, which did exist in stress tests already used. Um, it would measure their perspiration and their pulse for a supposed erotic response was what. It's not how human bodies work at all. Not how it works in the slightest. So the machine was employed in Canada in the 1950s and 60s during this big campaign to eliminate all gay men from the civil service, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, the Mounties, and the military. And a substantial number of workers did indeed lose their jobs because of this ridiculous test. And although funding for the project was cut off in the late, the late 1960s, thank goodness you would think, the investigations continued, but just a little more discreetly yeah, and under the table. Under the radar. Under the under the gaydar. Under the gaydar. And I wish we could with, call this ep- call this episode under the gaydar, but I feel like we'd be flagged by something. Because that's a really good title. Be like, well, they're the worst. It is under mm, the gaydar. Darn. <laughs> we know you guys would support us, but I don't I know. Strange. You don't know what the episode's about. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly. Sticky so just stitch. know that it was a thought. Just everybody. know that this episode. We know, we know that this episode is called Under the Gaydar. We're here. So, a little more discreetly in Under the Gaydar, they use different devices, super lazy tests, not backed by any kind no. of any kind of science. And the RCMP, the Mounties, collected files on 9,000 people who Jeez. had been investigated. They were still able to get that many people to do it. And sadly, this machine and devices like it weren't even officially abolished until the 90s, which is crazy. Very cool. And I know I know that the Cold War, you know, bled into the 90s, but even totally. so, you're just like, how was this not destroyed sooner? Like, we learned would have so much about human sexuality in the 60s and 70s. I cannot imagine this still being thought of as like anything at all in the 90s well because that's the thing 70s and 80s oh we test your perspiration and your your you know your eyes dilating and stuff like i have like i have straight female friends who watch gay porn as in like two man on man gay porn like your sexual i have been one of those people yeah like it has nothing to do with with your sexuality what gets you off which is a weird thing to a say, hum- but it's true. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and like a human response to something, like it cannot be measured in no. this way because of course we are going to respond in certain ways and that it, and honest, who cares? First of all, well, we all and also, now, but like you're just it. like, come on. Even if it yeah. was real and could, it was working gaydar and could detect the gays. Yeah. I mean, who, who gives, gives a shit? A we shit. all. We all know that today and now, but now I yeah, think you're we just should, also we like have gaydar so we can fire all the straights. Let's fire the straights because they are toxic, and I'm not here for it. Mm-mm. As you being gotta a be straight a little myself. gay, <laughs> yeah, but you're a little gay. I know. You know what I mean? I am. Well, and this is such a side note, and you may end up cutting this out of the episode, but it's so funny because every couple months I check in with myself of like, am I bi? Because I like. I feel so emotionally connected to women mm-hmm. and feel like I could like fall in love with a woman so easily. But it's then if I'm ever like, okay, Lauren, like a vagina comes to your face, comes in. what's going to happen? And I think I would, I would stress out and be like, I don't know what to do, which is crazy to me because looking at a penis, I'm never like, woo! I'm usually like, 
Usually like, there it is again. I guess. But for whatever reason, I'm like, I can handle this. But a vagina, which is something that I have, I'm like, oh, no. I think most women, if they were brutal, like really honest with themselves and looked really, really deep, would find that they're bisexual. <laughs> Just because it is sort of like, I, I mean, know. like women are so beautiful. Like you have to be attracted to them. You just have to be. If you're not, you're insane. And right. also, yeah, our connections with other women are just so strong. Like, I can't, like, so if special. anything, God forbid, happened to Joe, I would never date a man again. And I might yeah. date a woman. Like, I, would, I wouldn't mm-hmm. write that off. Like, men, I'm like, we're done. Like, we've we, we done been <laughs> we're done. done here. Yeah. Um, I don't need this. But I would not you. at all doubt that I would have, like, you know, I would be the yeah. auntie that comes around that's like, and her friend, Jan. And her friend, Pam. Although <laughs> <laughs> we chose Jan and Pam. Yes, a thousand percent. I would be the same. And I, again, that's why I always check in with myself. And I'm like, I think I like women. But I, anyway. anyway. And that's going into it. But that's why all of this is garbage. And in yeah. 2023, we can say that. But even so, like, whether it's garbage or not to try and detect if somebody is gay, science was not backing this. The human response has nothing to do with anything in regards of this test. So they, you know, they were trying to be discreet and trying to find other ways and even saying like, what if I say the word queer to you? And if somebody even had like a slight reaction, they'd be like flagged, flagged done, fired. Gay, fired. It was nuts. Like they were getting so lazy with it. So, and I guarantee you it was one of those things too, where it's like, Richard's kind of a fucking asshole. <laughs> Can we just good. fire him for oh, being gay? Yep. <laughs> He's and like, I'm totally say... straight. And it's like, yeah, we can fucking tell Richard you're still fired. Oh, no. We know. But we still <laughs> want you out of here because you're kind of the worst. <laughs> We've been wanting you out for a while. And honestly, I hope that happened to Richard, you know? Same. I do want to say the machine just to, like, paint a picture because I've been talking about it a little bit. But it was basically a dentist chair and it had a pulley with a camera facing the pupils with a black box located in front of it that displayed pictures. And the pictures ranged from the mundane to sexually explicit of both men and women. And it had previously determined that the pupils would dilate in relation to the amount of interest in the picture. That was the belief behind it in a technique termed the pupillary response test. But no one took into account That sometimes as the photos changed on the slides, so did the lighting. Mm -hmm. So did many colorings of the photo. And so subjects' pupils would react to the light as the human body does. But they were flat. Cannot believe these were scientists. I know. I'm kind of (laughs) like, I refuse to believe they're scientists, actually. I I do not believe it. I think that this was just a (sighs) bunch of government dudes in suits sitting around like, I made this... Look what I made in the break room. It's a dentist chair with a camera and photos. It's barely the a machine. Porn. You can barely call it a machine. The pornographic <laughs> photos from my home that from I my brought home in. That I brought my body got here. My yes. personal collection. Oh, gosh. This yeah. existed. It's terrible. Super, super solid science that, no, didn't work at all. So. If you're wondering why more people weren't suspicious of this test when this was happening, it was because people were first led to believe that the machine's purpose was indeed a stress test. Because again, 
there were psychologists and doctors who did know something similar to this existed and that this specific guy, Frank, who brought in this device, it was kind of just a play on that. So they were like, oh, I'm sure this is like a stress thing to see. Like, can I handle this stuff being in the military, being a police officer, whatever it may be? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So government. It was easy for them to write it off as that because it looked like that. And then once the whispers started to get around, the rumors started to spread, a lot less people were showing up for this because it was never force. It was volunteer. And at the start, everybody was just like, of course, I've gone through all the testing anyway to be a part of the military work in the government that like, sure, one additional stress test won't matter. But then once word got out, a lot less people started volunteering, but still... That number got up to 9,000 files, as I mentioned. So that makes me even more sad because I know that many people were just getting completely manipulated into it. Like just, oh, well, it's this and it's that. And, you know, convincing people they were in a safe space when they were not. And succumbing to this test that then eventually did get them yeah. fired. But so then I know there was it shady turns stuff. out was super bigoted totally. on top of it. And... On top of it all. So it's still not necessarily super easy to find info on this conspiracy theory come true, which is crazy. And there are articles, obviously, and there's Reddit threads that I, you know, was reading deep into the night. And there is information out there, but not as much as I thought. It was more difficult. And there were a couple Amazon books that I was like, I don't have time to order this and read this. But I'm just like, why is there not more out there? And... Another person felt the same as me. A documentary director named Sarah Fodi made in 2018 a documentary called The Fruit Machine. Um, She is a Canadian documentarian, and it was released in 2018. It did bring the story to light for many, many Canadians who sadly didn't know anything about about this pre-2018, which is crazy. And or people had heard about it, and they were like, it's a rumor. It's conspiracy theory. And Sarah herself, who started investigating this in like 2003 said she knew nothing about it and was shocked and disgusted and did years of research and conducted a lot of interviews including people still alive today who were subjected to the gay detection advice device (laughs) back in the day and their lives had been completely destroyed or you know they had kind of come out of the ruin and were fine but maybe they knew somebody whose life was completely destroyed and she just heard such heartbreaking gutting stories from these people which are all in the documentary and basically they were still very affected by it today or they had stories about people that were so directly affected by it they were fired from their job lost all of their money they were cast out by society they were shunned by their friends it was poverty homelessness substance abuse and sadly very often taking their own life so there was so much fallout from this that just the government did not care about and did not see. They could only see right what was right in front of them. So Sarah Foti, who made this documentary, refers to her findings as a horror story and evidence that there was indeed a gay purge back during the Cold War. And it is essentially what it was. all A purge of all gay men from the military and all civil service positions. But she does still encourage people to watch the documentary as it is not only educational and something that everybody in Canada, but everybody in the world should know about. And she said there's also a lot of hope that comes out of it, a lot of love and a lot of optimism, 
all coming from people who survived this, which I think says a lot yeah. and just proves a lot about why these communities are so important to us in the human race. Um, she just said some of the people were just so funny and so, you know, life-giving, good for the soul, and that it is totally worth a watch. But I just can't believe that it took until 2018 to really shed light on things. Like, even the little bit that com had come out before that just was not spreading to anybody. So now we are learning. Hopefully the history books will change. And another positive thing was in 2017, while word got out that this documentary is being made and information was spreading... We'll say Prime Minister Justin Trudeau delivered a sweeping apology in the House of Commons to those caught in the gay purge, and the federal government reached a settlement with the survivors that includes $110 million wow. in compensation. Wow. So that them. is something positive and amazing, and it was the first, you know, person to acknowledge this and speak so publicly about it. So... Good things are coming, and again, Sarah said, you know, she's optimistic and just happy that people are knowing about it now. All but of our stories had good, happy it's endings. Crazy. I know, scary in the front, happy, happy in, the back. in the back, like a mullet, a horrifying like a horror mullet. mullet. <laughs> and now we found mullet. our actual episode. The title. name of the episode, horror yep, mullet, there she is. also known as horror mullet under the gaydar. <laughs> oh, but <Yes>. oh, no. <laughs> under the gaydar horror mullet. No, I just wanted to say, like, one last little plug. This is yeah. a good thing. The Fruit Machine documentary is available to stream on YouTube and Amazon Prime Video. Though on Prime, you may have to do a seven-day free trial of this weird, specific Canadian channel. Mm -hmm. But you can cancel your free trial if you want. Um, it has phenomenal reviews. I think it's definitely worth watching. Or just head over to YouTube, because I imagine it's free. You don't have to have an account, but don't quote me on that. Watch it. Learn from the veterans who went through this experience and learn about this dark time in Canadian history. I will. And you can't stop me. I shall. Um, that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Yeah, put on your little tinfoil yarmulke. Um, thank you guys so much for <laughs> listening and watching our show week after week. We couldn't do this without you. We wouldn't do this without you. So thank you for joining us. Please follow us on social media at Keep It Weird Cast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The end. Does YouTube count as social media? Yeah, no. Like, end of list. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. We but... can go. Ooh. It's fine. It, you know, Listen, it's not worth it. It's gone. Forever, hopefully, because it is literally just a void. piece of... It's a ball <laughs> tin of tinfoil. You could also please consider joining our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. That is how we make the money off of this show. You can donate as little as $1 a month, and you can go all the way up to $50 a month. Um, you basically help us produce the show, pay us for the time that we put into this show um on top of our full-time jobs guys we deserve it please and you get cool stuff in return like bonus episodes newsletters discounts on merch sometimes we do like giveaways or we do special things where like only the patrons get to participate it's a good time so do that if you are here on YouTube, please like and subscribe to this video. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers. We are so, so close. So please help us reach our goal of 1,000 measly subscribers. 
I know. Like that's it's not, not that much. It's not that okay. much. Like we can do it. Tell a friend. Just a lonely indie Share podcast. our YouTube just, videos you. everywhere. Um, and is that it? Check out our merch. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. how about? Oh no, I already forgot what we have to do yeah, now. It's time. It's Listen, we are never going to, to be psychic if we are going to dread <sighs> well, the hive. You're mind. right. Ooh, I don't have a song. Um, hive, 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 hive mind. Oh, oh. I'm gonna start a probably hive. gonna start a bees bees. <laughs> it's hive mind. Hive, hive, hive. <laughs> it's hive mind time. Kind of works. It kind of works. It's also trendy and fitting because everybody keeps saying NSYNC might go back on tour. For so. real. Justin Timberlake looks like he's 65. Um, that's he not does. true. That was me. Quite a but bit. He he does look quite old. So this week I am sending Lauren the psychic message and we're going to get it. It's going to be so easy. How about we don't close our eyes this time? Oh, right. I'm going to stare into your soul. soul. Wait, should I look into the camera though? No, you should stare into my eyes. Look at you. Okay. Lauren, I don't know. (laughs) Cause I didn't like, if I look in the camera, it looks like I'm looking at you, but but, but you're not, not looking at, at my psychic I'm... eyes. Okay, ready? <laughs> okay, I'm going to look at Okay. You. The shape is here. Okay. Do I have to look at the camera? <laughs> Ooh, maybe you okay. should. Let's try a little okay. of both. I will look at the yep. camera and I will send you. Oh, see, this feels right. Star. Lauren, no. It Fox. is a square. Okay. Not even close to a star. Not even close. I know. And every week I, didn't I feel like it. I always have an excuse. Like I should have trusted my gut, but I was not seeing square. Because I thought it I thought it was either star or if not that, what was my like, ooh, should I trust my gut was a plus sign. So we were not there. I feel like we're getting further away from being psychic. Worse. Yes. <laughs> I know. Okay. Which, and this is on me because I had said for the next time I was going to look up more tips and tricks we and I just on didn't. We're recording Listen. on a different day. So for next time, I really am because okay. I want us to try a different tactic. And I think right, we're we're going to get there. We're going to get there. In the meantime, mm. have a great mm. week, guys. Mm. And as usual, keep it keep weird. It weird. <laughs>